God, thank you so much for our, our guest speaker, for Brian and for his family, for all that he's done for you because he truly desires to love and serve you with his life. But God, I, I just pray that you would continue to love them, pro, uh, protect them, and empower uh, his ministry. In Jesus, your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. And um, so what's the deal? It was 10 degrees in Springfield, Missouri yesterday when I left, and now I come to this. I thought it was like sunny California, and I, yeah, you tricked me, Pastor. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're going to blame me. I, I brought it with me, huh? Oh, man. Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you this morning, um, and uh, good to spend some time with you, Kevin, this morning. Uh, just share uh, my heart for what God is is uh, doing in, in in my family's life. And so, as Kevin mentioned, uh, we were missionaries in Peru, South America, 11 years. And um, we were out of what just by, and I think I went blank. I'm going, in, am I going in and out? I'm hearing, do I need to move? <laughs> Good. Um, and so we were out of what we would call a Baptist Bible Fellowship International Church. And, and whether you know it or not, your church is a Baptist Bible Fellowship International Church because you support one or more BBFI. And I'm, from now on, I'm going to say BBFI. You with me? Baptist Bible Fellowship? Okay. Um, because you support one or more BBFI missionaries somewhere around the world. What does that mean? Well... Uh, every month, um, someone writes a check uh, from this church, uh, and you guys give your money, someone writes a check, and then sends it to our office in Springfield, Missouri. And I work in the mission office of the BBFI, and we're located in Springfield. So what do we do? Uh, well, we are often what we call the bridge between those who give and those who go, the missionaries. So you guys write your check and you send it to, to the mission office and 100% of every dollar you guys give to a certain missionary goes to that missionary, that BBFI missionary. Well, how can we do that? Well, we are actually uh, a faith-based organization as well. We are fully supported by churches just like yours. So in addition to the missionaries that a lot of our churches uh, take on and support financially. They support our office as well so that we can uh, not only pass 100% of your dollars to our, your missionaries, but provide them with some phenomenal services. And Pastor, I'd invite you to come to Springfield sometime, uh, take a tour of the office, get to know our, our folks and, and exactly what we do. Um, we are not just a pass-through clearinghouse that you send the money to and we give the money we are a full-service center uh, for our missionaries. We, we offer things uh, like my office actually is in charge of everything financial and legal uh, for our missionaries. So uh, at any given point, if our missionaries are trying to renew their visas on the field, well, they'll contact my office. We'll write a letter for them, and we'll help them with that process. Uh, you don't get that from just a clearinghouse that just gives the money uh, to the missionaries. Um, uh, we provide loans. If uh, our, one of our missionaries are in a building, is in a building program uh, and needs some, some quick cash, maybe they found a, a property they need to buy, they don't have it on hand, well, we'll loan them money uh, for uh, that, that purchase. Uh, we, uh, 
We provide medical coverage, uh, insurance uh, on both sides of the pond uh, for our missionaries. And in addition to, you know, just processing their support, just a lot of, a lot of things that we do. And so just to, that's just, uh, man, that's just the tip of the top of, of what we do. And so each of you are going to get, um, I believe, are they getting those packets today? Cool. Uh, and so in your goodie basket that you're going to get on the way out, just a little bit of information about the mission office, and then on back is the website. More than anything, I would like to to the website just to, to get a taste of what we do for our missionaries. And you can go on there. It's bbfimissions.com. Find out a little bit more uh, about what we do for our missionaries. And so just just thrilled to be here with you. Um, and and I, I love the video that you showed, uh, Pastor, because that's, that's another thing that we do for uh, our missionaries who are in those areas of the world. Uh, we call those areas uh, Creative Access Nations, um, uh, or CAN missionaries. So we call them CAN missionaries. And those, uh, you know, those areas are like China, Indonesia, uh, just, just several, and, and the Middle East, uh, a lot of those countries as well. Well, they have to be very secretive, subversive about what they're doing there. So a lot of them will go as professionals, uh, you know, and, and, and as, uh, like, I'm going to be an English teacher, but in all actuality, they're playing churches. Uh, and, and I can attest uh, to both uh, the, the uptick uh, the, you know, what that video uh, demonstrated to you, the uptick in the persecution, uh, especially in China, uh, it's real. It's very real. And so we're behind the scenes, and we're in close contact with our missionaries in those areas, uh, and it is real, okay? Um, there has been a significant increase in the climate as far as the persecution, but I am thrilled to share with you uh, there is also an uptick uptick in the growth in the church. Um, and, and that just kind of always comes hand in hand, you know, where there's more persecution. Uh, when, it's, when it's comfortable and it's sunny outside, you know, we're not so comfortable today, but, you know, when, when we're, we're in our comfortable che- uh, chairs and pews and, and, and no one's really telling us that we can't come and do what we're doing today, but when it's not that way, uh, that's when people really, 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 not that you're not serious about being here because it's raining outside and you are here, so you're pretty serious. Uh, but when, when you got people telling you, well, I'm going to put you in jail, I'm going to kill you if you continue to, to meet like this, well, and that's when, it, you know, it hits the road and hits the fan and it gets really, really serious. And so the church seems to blossom and flourish under those circumstances more than usual. So I, I, you know, I want to share some really good reports uh, from our missionaries in those areas of the world. The, the, the church is strong, church is healthy, and just as Pastor, Pastor mentioned in his prayer, um, it, it's unstoppable. The church is an unstoppable moving object, and the, the gates of hell will never prevail against it, no matter how much uh, the, the governments and the leadership of certain countries try, it will never happen. So um, just a little bit of what we do Uh, in the mission office in Springfield, Missouri for our missionaries. Thank you for being a supporting church uh, and supporting some of our missionaries. Uh, Currently, uh, we have just short of 750 missionaries all around the world in 76 countries. Uh, And so we're pretty busy. 
uh, helping helping all of those missionaries out. And so, um, what I'd like to show is a is a quick video that will give you. And some some of you, you're just hearing the word BBFI, the Baptist Bible Fellowship, for the first time. Okay. Well, the uh, the fellowship, and and I I guess I'll take a step back. So the the fellowship is is just that. It's not a denomination. Um, it's, it's, it's a very loose structure, if you will. Uh, it, it's a group, group of about 3,500 churches all around the United States, just like yours, uh, that are um, connected doctrinally. Uh, you know, we, we're on the same page, and we want to propagate the gospel all around the world. So we kind of loosely network and affiliate together in order to um, you know, send out missionaries all around the world. And so the office, the kind of the hub, is located in Springfield, Missouri. Okay, so uh, taking a step back. And so we've been around almost 70 years. And so you may be thinking, well, what, uh, you know, what's this mean for me on an individual level in an individual church, in an individual local church? And so uh, with just a few minutes that we have left, I'd kind of like to, to break it down for you and share with you what that means to you. Uh, and so I believe we're going to, uh, if you, if you want to turn with me, that's great. Uh, we'll be in Exodus chapter 17. We're going to throw some verses up uh, on the screen. And the, are they going to be back there as well? Okay, good. So I don't have to uh, fight with my uh, Bible as well. Um, so I love, absolutely love finding missions in the Old Testament. Um, I, I hardly ever preach a, a missions message out of the New Testament for, for some reason because it's, the, the Old Testament is always so rich um, in, in pointing to the Messiah that's to come and the Messiah that we are to proclaim all around the world. And so in, in Exodus chapter 17 is a very uh, maybe familiar story to some of you, uh, a very interesting story. And surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly for some of us, uh, has uh, some incredible implications about missions and, and how we are to be involved individually in the Great Commission. And, um, I, you know, the, the Great Commission is, is very simply, uh, and, and you find it in, in several different places in the New Testament, but it's, it's go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, preach the name of Jesus, you know, um, baptizing them uh, in the name of the Father and Son, Holy Ghost. And then, and then Jesus said, don't worry, I'm going to be with you while you go. Okay, so our job is to proclaim. It's to, as we're going, wherever we're going, it's to proclaim the name of Jesus. Uh, and that's, I know that's a dumbed down version of it, but, but that, you know, that, that is in a nutshell the great commission that, that Christ has left to us as the local church. That's our job. And so as we're, we're doing that, you know, this, uh, this story is, is, is phenomenal to me. And so let's, let's just read through it. I'm going to explain it just a little bit and then uh, have some very practical implications on, on, on what that has to do with our job as, if you will, missionaries and going and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. It says in uh, Exodus 17, verse 8, we'll start there. It says, now Amalek, the Amalekites, the, those were the enemies, one of the many enemies of the children of Israel. Now Amalek came and fought 
with Israel in Rephidim. And Rephidim is a valley, okay, a low place. Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, and we all know who Moses was, right? That's, uh, he, was he was the guy that got them out of Egypt and, and, uh, and, and on to the promised land, toward the promised land. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill. Rephidim was in a valley, remember? And so Moses said, I'm going to go up, pray for you guys. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand, the same rod that he used to do what? To part the, very good, good job, to part the Red Sea. The very same powerful, and so that was a very uh, visible symbol to the children of Israel of God's power. So they, they knew what Moses meant by, I'm going to take the rod of God up in, in my hand with me while I'm praying for you guys. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. Moses, Aaron, and Hur, which were Moses' right and left hand, we're going to see right and left hand guys, uh, went up to the top of the hill. They went with Moses. So it was when Moses held up his hand, okay, in an attitude of prayer for those down in the valley fighting, that Israel what? Prevailed. Okay, so as they were fighting the, the battle, when Moses had his hands held high in a, in a posture of prayer and intercession for those fighting in the valley, what happened? Well, they're going to they're going to be prevailing. They're winning. Uh, and so obviously we could deduct that when his hands were not held high, what would happen? Okay, okay. Uh, so Israel was prevailing. When he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. Verse 12, but Moses' hands became heavy because they were fighting all day long. It was a long battle, sun up to sun down. So obviously your hands would get tired. So they took Aaron and Hur, took a stone, put it under him. He sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. His hands were steady until the going down to the sun. And so look what happened. So Joshua, and this is where, this is where actually uh, I, I like the words of the King James Version because it says in the King James Version, so Joshua discomfited, which, which literally means, pardon my French, they kicked their butts. That, that literally kind of means what it, what it, is what it means. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Are you recording this, by the way? Is that going to get back to my office? I'm oh, sorry. Anyway, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Why? How? Okay? So, so you, you kind of see what's going on here. We've got Moses up here. Um, and he's, what, interceding for those who are fighting down below. So God has, God has called um, a lot of individuals to, a, to do a lot of individual jobs this day. Everyone had their own job, right? Moses knew his job. His was to be up here interceding for them. He was advanced in age. He couldn't fight hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat, but he knew his place was to intercede. Aaron and her obviously had a, had a high calling that day. They were there to support and make sure that Moses did his job. And so we had a ton of people, uh, and particularly Joshua. You know, we, we call out Joshua in this, and Joshua is kind of singled out here. Joshua knew his job. 
What was his job? It was to lead the hand-to-hand combat in the battlefield, okay? And so as, you know, as the day grew on and the, the fighting continued, at any point, and here's kind of the, the, the key, the, the main part of the story here, at any point along the way during the battle, what? Joshua and his men could look up, and as long as they saw what? As long as they saw Moses with his hands lifted high, they knew that good things were going to happen. They knew that they were going to be winning the battle. Why? Because they knew that Moses was interceding and that God had promised victory as long as that continuum was happening, okay? But, but think about Moses and Aaron and Hur as they were up here. You know, what were they experiencing? So kind of the same thing, but opposite. They could tell as long as, you know, Aaron and Hur on one side, and they could see visibly as Moses had his hands, as long as Moses had his hands up, they could see, you know, victory upon victory and the Amalekites just going down left and right. Uh, but they could also, you know, oh, well, we got to get his hands up. So at any given moment, as long as both parties were doing their job that God had called them to do on that day, there was victory, encouragement. You know, Joshua just knew that as long as Moses was up doing his job, there was going to be victory and that they would fulfill what God had placed them there to do that day, okay? So, what in the world does this have to do with missions? Well, it has a ton to do with missions. You see, here's the deal. Um, God uses the local church to accomplish his global plan. That, that's just, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. God has, has chosen to do it that way. God wants to. You know, God is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anyone to go without hearing the name of Jesus Christ at least once in their life and have the opportunity to accept Christ as their personal Savior. It's not in God that that would happen. So how is that going to take place? Well, there are those of us who have to go take that name to them. And where are those of us going to come from? the local church. God chooses the local church right here in Somos, California, right there over there in Springfield, Missouri, uh, New Jersey, Washington, you name it. God is using and pulling from the local church those who he wants to place on, and here's the deal, the battlefield. So just as, as God called Joshua out that day and said, I want you doing the hand-to-hand combat. I want to put you on the battlefield, on the front lines, doing my work, okay? So God calls out from the local church those who I would call our Joshuas. He puts certain people on the front lines in Lima, Peru, in, um, in, in China, in Beijing, you, you name it. He's putting them all around the world on the front line, 
okay? And they know their job. They know what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, and God equips, God equips them to do that. But he doesn't call everyone on the front lines. And, and, and don't get me wrong, and this is where we're going with that, uh, I don't consider anyone who's on the front lines, if you will, as more important as anybody who's, who's back home, okay? Because why? Well, who had the more important job that day? Joshua and the soldiers down below or Moses and Aaron and her? I wouldn't say anyone had a more important job that day. Okay, because they were all, everyone's job was intertwined because Joshua and his men couldn't do their jobs as long as Moses wasn't doing his job. Moses couldn't do his job fully if it weren't for Aaron and her doing their jobs to help him do his job, which helped him, which helped Joshua and his men do their job. Okay, so there was no one that had a more important job that day. It's just the same with the Great Commission, with God um, calling out those into the battlefield and using the local church to be a, a support system for them. There is no one that has a more important job. We have all equally important jobs. So God calls those of us who, who are in, and, and, and I, I'm in that boat with you now. So I'm, I've been taken off the battlefield um, and it pains me sometimes. We have, I have such a, a burden to be there, but I know my place. God has called me back off of the battlefield into the local church, and I know I have an equally important job, and so do you. So do we as the local church. We are called to be the, the intercessors, the supporters, the senders, uh, the, the helpers of those that are on the front lines, albeit we have an equally important job, okay? Your job as the local church, the sender, the supporter, uh, is equally important in terms of the overall, the, the whole of the Great Commission. So what's your job? Mm. Um, well, you're doing it. I, I, I commend you. You guys are faithfully supporting uh, the missionaries that, that you, uh, and you're a sending church of one missionary and that's, that's phenomenal. Of the, uh, I hope I get my number right, I, I know it's close, of the 750 uh, missionaries that our office supports, there are less than about uh, 230, I think, sending churches of those missionaries. So you're actually in a lower percentage of local churches who send out missionaries. So you're, you're doing your job. So what's the point? What's the point? Well, what's my job? Okay. That's what I want us to ask ourselves today. What is my job? What has God called me to do to fulfill, to complete the Great Commission in my lifetime? Okay. Am I part of this local congregation whose job it is to intercede for and support the missionaries that we send out, that we support? Um, so I would ask you, what, 
are you doing to fulfill that role? How much and in what way do you intercede for your missionaries? They need it. I can tell you, and I, um, I, I could sit for an hour or 10 and, and, and give you stories on how God used churches just like yours to pray for us in certain ways and for certain things, and they came about. I can also tell you that God is not limited by time. See, we would have churches pray for us like 10 days after an event occurred because they got our prayer letter 10 days after, and they still prayed for it. And I know without a doubt it was because of some of their prayers, even in the future, that God said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and I'll answer. You know, so don't, don't, I would, yeah. So if you get a prayer letter and there's something on there that has already happened, you could still pray for it. Because God is not, God's an infinite God and is not bound by time, okay? Uh, and so what, what are we doing to intercede for and with our missionaries? Um, you know, and it, come, and it comes down to our, our pocketbook as well. How much are we willing to sacrifice so that we can actually do our job to send and to support even more, because you know, while God is calling those to be on the front lines in the in the in the battle, um, it it takes money, and I, I won't even say unfortunately. We won't apologize for that, because it it does. So for uh, your missionaries to to be able to completely do what God has called them to do, um, they really don't know, need to go over there and work a forty-hour job. A weak job. They need to, just like your pastor, be able to devote 100% of their effort and their time to what God has called them to do in the hand-to-hand combat in the battlefield. So, yeah, unapologetically, it takes finances. And so what are we doing? What are we doing to fulfill our part to be the intercessors and the senders and the supporters? But then maybe, and, and you know, there's, and God's not, God doesn't just call young people to the mission field. So let, let's just get that out there. Um, you know, and then there's this other role of, of the battlefield, the front lines. You know, God is still calling individuals, couples, families into the battlefield, into the front lines. So maybe you have in the past, um, in, in the near, you know, near past, maybe, uh, maybe even today, I don't know what God's doing in your life, but maybe you've felt that tug a little bit. So consider it. That's all I would ask from you this morning. Consider it. Um, one of our great BBFI preachers, Jack Baskin, you probably know him, Pastor, um, he, he used to say all the time, God doesn't call everyone to be a missionary. And, and in this case, he meant on the front lines. God doesn't call everyone to be a missionary, but at least we all should struggle with it. So that's what I want to leave you with uh, today. We should at least struggle with it in that we go to God and say, okay, God, what's my role? What, what part do you have for me to play 
And whatever that part is, and here's the deal, here's what I want to leave you with, I'm willing to do it. I'm available. So if that means on the front lines, okay, God, rearrange everything so that I can do it for you. I'm available, and God, you see that all, all through the Bible and, and in our history, um, God doesn't necessarily call uh, the, the equipped. He equips the called, and, and, and also he's not looking for someone who um, is, you know, can, can be able to, you know, he doesn't, doesn't look, isn't looking for the one that is able but available, okay? And, and that's what I want to leave you with and encourage you with today is to be available, okay? Ask God, what's my part? What's my role? Seek him out and be available to do whatever that is that he calls you to do. And we will encourage each other. We will all do our part and in perfect symphony and harmony, fulfill the Great Commission as we go. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, for uh, my new friends. Uh, this has been encouraging to me and fun uh, to be a part of your local church here this morning. And I do thank you for the, the heart that I feel um, from uh, the, this body of believers that they want to get the, the word out. They want to fulfill the Great Commission. They want to do their part in, in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the nations so that the nations would be glad. And Lord, I commend them for that. And God, I pray for all of us that we would humble ourselves, we would submit ourselves to be able to ask the, the tough questions. And the questions of, God, what's my part? I know you have me here, but what's my role? What more would you have me do? How do you want me to intercede for and support our missionaries that we support as a local church. God, would you have me on the front lines? And Lord, I pray that we would all at least struggle with that and present ourselves a living sacrifice, one that is available to do whatever you want us to do and wherever you want us to do it. Because it takes all of us fulfilling our roles and doing our jobs in order to get the Great Commission accomplished. And we want to see that because we want to see uh, the nations rejoice together. We want to see your word proclaimed all around the world. But it takes availability. It takes us being willing and available to do our part. And so I pray that for my new friends here in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.